Well, good morning and welcome to Barrel Life Church. That's one of my favorite hymns. I made sure that I turned my microphone off while I was singing so to help you all not to hear me uh, sing. If you're your first time, first time in a long time, welcome back to Barrel Life Church. So glad to see you guys. If you're watching online again, thank you. We also love our Gracing campus and what God's doing there at the church and Grace is just amazing. And also, as Brandon talked about this past week at one of our ministry partners with Bell Grove, we was able to see eight people give their life to Jesus. And man, I tell you what, there's nothing that fires me up more than anything else than seeing people's lives that are completely changed. And with that, I just want you to know that on February the 7th, coming up here in just in two Sundays, that I'm gonna be sharing uh, just a straight salvation gospel message. I always share the gospel every single week, at the, especially towards the end of the, the message. And no matter what I'm preaching on, we're gonna go straight to the cross, right? Because that's what it's all about. Only Jesus can change your life. Only Jesus can fix your marriage. Only Jesus can fix your finances. Only Jesus can heal you emotionally with anxiety and depression. So we're always gonna go straight to the cross. But on that day, we're gonna be, when we go back to two services, it's specifically trying to reach people and your friends and your family and your your circles and your coworkers and your roommates and your classmates and your teachers and your professors and your coaches. We're going to go right after to share how God promises that he will forgive us of everything we've ever done, ever tried in our entire life, that he will make us white as snow. So if there's people in your life that you know need to hear the gospel, people that you've been praying about, in fact, I want to encourage you right now, would you begin to pray by name for the person that you plan on to invite and either being in person or invite and watch it online with you, that you will begin to pray right now for God to open up their heart because only God can save someone. I can't save anyone. I can't even save myself. Only God who opens my eyes to see him. And then I respond to the gospel and give my life to him. So if you know somebody, will you begin to pray for them for the next couple weeks that God will begin to work in their life, that he would open up their eyes so that when the word is preached and the seed is cast, that God will cause it to grow. And the person that you've been praying for. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your wayward kid. Uh, maybe it's a, a brother or sister that you just need to get them to a place to hear the gospel. I want to encourage you. That's coming up in a couple weeks. So please be in prayer about that for, for God to do what only he can do, and that is to save people. Last week, we talked about that, that you can forgive someone. You know, we have no idea what 2021 holds, but we do know there's gonna be things in our lives. And in 2021, someone is gonna hurt you. Someone's gonna wrong you. Someone's gonna walk out on you. Someone's gonna betray you. Someone's gonna say something to you. Someone's gonna lie about you. And all of a sudden, this wound that you have, that you, if you don't deal with it, it's gonna fester and it's gonna come from unforgiveness and bitterness in your life and you do not want to become bitter. So the promise is this, whoever has hurt you in your life, you can forgive them. If you're struggling with unforgiveness or resentment or, or holding a grudge against someone for hurting you or wronging you or walking out on you, maybe it's an ex-spouse, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a business partner, maybe it's a coach, it doesn't matter. If you're struggling with that, if you're struggling with that, will you go back and watch last week's message? Because we talked about how do you forgive someone and more importantly, why we should forgive someone. Now, again, I have no idea what 2021 holds for you, but I do know something that will happen to you, in fact, today. No, I'm not a prophet. I'm not going to. I do know something that's going to happen to you today, and that is you will be tempted today. You will be tempted in some form or fashion today. You will face temptation all through this year and honestly for the rest of your life. And so today I wanna talk about what is the promise that God gives us when we are tempted? 
How, where does temptation come from? What's the process of temptation? And then how do we defeat temptation in our life? Are you glad you came this morning? We're going to talk about that because every one of us are going to be tempted in some form of fashion. And honestly, you're going to be tempted even today before you go to bed. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to James chapter 1. I'll be using the New Living Translation in case you want to follow with me on your phone or your Bible app. James chapter 1. And I want to share with you the process that James talks about when it comes to temptation in our life. And when we understand temptation, how it works, we'll see it more as a stepping stone more or rather than a stumbling block. The problem is most of us, when we are tempted, here's what happens, we immediately feel guilty. We feel, we, 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 we feel terrible that we were even tempted in the first place. Temptation is not the sin. Sin, there is a process. You can be tempted, but it's how, what do you do with the temptation when it comes your way? Some of you, you're tempted, you're like, man, if I don't even know if I'm a Christian, because if I was a Christian, would I even have that thought? Would I even be tempted that way? Would I even, would I even struggle with that? Or maybe I'm not a mature Christian, therefore I'm being tempted all the time. Listen to me, listen to me. You will never outgrow temptation, and all of us can go, oh, okay, okay. So if I'm never going to outgrow temptation, doesn't matter how many Bible verses that I read. It doesn't matter how many times I come to church. It doesn't how many times I drop a 20 in the bucket. It doesn't matter how many times I serve. It doesn't matter how many times I bite some of the church. That is not going to get rid of temptation in my life. Listen, you will be tempted for the rest of your life. So knowing that, what do you do? And what is God's promise to us as his children when temptation comes our way? See, the Bible says when you are tempted, not if. When means you better buckle up. It's coming. It's coming your way, and it's coming my way. And so today we're going to talk about how temptation works. A lot of times we see sin as an act, just a one you know, single act, but the Bible describes it as a process. You don't just immediately do it. There's things that build up to you when you act upon the sin in your life. So James begins to describe this process, and he actually walks through kind of like, it's almost like a four stages. We'll walk through this together. I, I see like four stages in this process of temptation, and then we're going to talk about how do we fix it? What do we do with it? You ready to get started? So let's go. All right, three of you. Let's go. This is going to be great. We're going to work through this temptation together. Why this is very important? Because all of us are tempted. Every one of us are going to be tempted in our life. In fact, you probably were this morning even on the way to church. So here we go. James 1, starting in verse 13. Remember when you were being tempted. See, it's coming. Remember this. Bring to mind. Understand this. Do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Let me just stop right there. See, a lot of times when, you know, we break away from something or we think we're trying to get victory or something and all of a sudden it's right back in front of us again, we would say, God's just, test God's just tempting me. God's tempting me to see if I will look at that again. God's tempting me to see if I'm going to drink that again. God's tempting me to see if I'm going to talk bad about her again. God's tempting me. He put me in a situation where I now God is tempting me to see if I will give in to that temptation. God will never tempt you. So now we got to re train our minds and rethink now that when temptation comes away, it's not that God is tempting me to see if I'm going to pass the temptation. God doesn't tempt us. God tests us. And there's a difference. 
James talks about these two differences. When trials come in, in fact, trials and testing and temptation obviously rooted in the same word. When trials come your way, how you respond to that trial will determine, is this going to be a temptation or is this a test? James says this in James chapter 1 when you begin to ring through it. Well, first of all, that God tests us and Satan tempts us. And Satan tries to destroy us through temptation, but God tries to develop you from the testing in your life. The test that God puts you through is develop you to mature you into more like his son. In fact, James compares and contrasts the two. If you go back to James 1, which we're not jumping back to at the beginning of James 1, but he says, when trials and tests comes your way, if you persevere, you will be mature and complete. That's what a test does. James talks about when temptation comes your way, this is the comparison and contrast to it, sin comes and it brings forth death, physical and spiritual death. So he compares these two between a test and a temptation. Remember, God will never tempt you. God's not just trying to tempt you to see if you're gonna look at porn again and flash something in front of you. God doesn't do that. God's not gonna go around when you're a recovering alcoholic and all of a sudden have someone sit in front of you just to see if, you, if, if you're gonna give in to it. Listen to me, God does not tempt you to sin. So you have to change your verbiage and your mindset when you say, well, God's just tempting me. God's just tempting me. Uh Uh-uh, God does not tempt you. God will test you, but God doesn't bring to tempt. God's not gonna put you in a place that's gonna allow you to purposely sin. God doesn't do that. Now, we know the enemy does, but not only just the enemy, but I want you to understand this, so does your flesh, See, we got the world against us, we got the devil against us, and you got your old sinful nature against you. You have your old, and so sometimes, you know, listen to me, we are of our biggest enemy. A lot of times we said, well, that's the devil on me. No, that's just your flesh. James is talking about that one right here. He's talking about your sinful day. As a Christian, he's writing to believers. As the believers, we, Paul talks about this in Romans, we, we fight against this flesh and his carnality, and, and then we got the new birth in us. We got Christ in us, and our flesh weighs war. And Paul says, the things that I, I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And then the things that I do want to do for God and the, and the Holy Spirit moving in me, those are the things I don't find myself sometimes doing. Why? Because you have this battle, and you will battle your flesh until the day you die. But you can't overcome it. How do I do that? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So James says, let's look at the other enemy, your flesh. These des- the natural desires that begin to deceive yourself and you give in to temptation. We know the devil is after us. But what about what's inside of us? In fact, that's where it comes from. So look at verse 14. Here he goes. He writes it out. Temptation comes from, watch this, our own desires. Do you see that? It comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. Where does temptation birth from? Our own desires. And that is the first stage of this is desire. We see it's not on the screen, but it's desire. Desire begins and begins. We have this desire for whatever it may be in our life, and it could be a good desire. It may, it may be an okay desire, but then it begins to be warped and twisted. You see, we think temptation is around us. <laughs> Don't go there, there's temptation. Don't go there, there's temptation. Don't go there, there's temptation. James like, temptation is not around you. Temptation's in you. It's in you. That's why if I get this right inside me, then the environment around me won't affect me. It's in you. Temptation starts within you. Because if you didn't have an internal desire, then you wouldn't have no temptation. 
The desire is where it begins. The temptation always starts inside of you, not from your circumstances. And then we have these natural desires, our flesh and the enemy begins to twist them. It's a natural desire to eat. Can I get a witness? But oh, how the enemy can twist that to become a glutton. It's a natural desire to sleep. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, but how our flesh and the enemy can come and twist it to become lazy. And the Bible speaks against laziness. It's a natural desire to have sex. God made it. God created it. God wired us that way. It's a natural desire. But then our flesh and our enemy comes and wants to twist it that it's outside of a union and a marriage between one man and one woman. You see, we have these natural desires, but then all of a sudden, it's twisted. The flesh twists it. Sinful nature twists it. The enemy wants to twist it. See, those desires, in fact, all your temptation around you is going to come from one of your desires, a natural desire that you have, that you long for, that you want. But how do you control that? How do you fix that? Even in Mark, Mark writes in verse in chapter 7 that everything, he goes through and says adultery and greed and, and deceit and slander and envy and foolishness. He says all this comes from inside. And what's in you will come out of you. You see, a lot of times right now, we were talking about last year in 2020 and COVID and brought all this stuff and antidepressant medicine went up and depression has gone up and anxiety has gone out the roof. I mean, hands down, anxiety by far is the number one message of the last 13 years that anyone has Googled or looked or searched for from Better Life Church is how to deal with anxiety. It is shot out of the roof when it comes to anxiety. And people's like, they're anxious. Listen, listen, COVID pulled that out of you. It was already depressed. These emotions were already in you and it pulled it out of you. See, we try to blame circumstances. Well, if my boss would just wouldn't act this way, I wouldn't get mad at work. If my wife would just act this way, then I wouldn't slam the cabinet doors. And we go on, if my kids would just do this, then I wouldn't have to act like this. No, no, it pulls what's already in you out of you. That's what James is saying. If you can fix this, then our outside circumstance won't affect you because your perspective changed and how you handle the temptation or the stuff around you now is completely different, you see, because you have been healed or working on the inside or what God would say or what James would write in the beginning of chapter one is that you have passed the test, you've persevered for the trial, and now you have become mature and complete. And as you become more mature and more complete in Christ, guess what? When circumstances come your way, you respond differently. It's already in you. How do I fix that? You've got these desires that are in you. And then here's what happened. Here's the second part of the stage we see. This is what I would call the deception part. You have this desire, but now you're deceived. Verse 14, look what he says. Temptation comes from where? Our own desires in us. Then, watch what it does. It entices us. It drags us away. Do we have any fishermen in here? Come on, or fisherwomen in here, right? You like the fish? Come on, anybody like the fish? Okay, all right, good. Any hunters in here? Any hunters? Get your hands. You like to hunt, right? Man, my son, he, he's running the computer right now, but he would be in here. He's like, he had both hands and his legs up. He loves to fish and hunt. If you love to fish and hunt, I don't know if James was a hunter or a fisher. Maybe he was more of a lover than a fighter. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But right here in this passage, he appeals to a fisherman and to a hunter. He says, when you think about temptation, think of, and he says the word entices us, that's a picture of a fisherman baiting a hook. He baits the hook enough, why? So he throws it out there 
to watch this, if you're, if you're depends on if you use live bait or fake bait or whatever, it's to trap you. It's to get you to bite it. It's a snare. So just as a fisherman baits his hook and fakes the fish out, thinking that they're going to grab lunch, but then they get hooked and they get snared. He says, if you're not careful, what happens, your own desires begin to be deceived by one, the enemy or your flesh, and you think it's okay. You think the grass is greener on the other side, so you fantasize and you want to be with her instead of your wife. You think if you change this and went that place to that new place, then you think, oh, it's going to be better. And what you find out is you take the bait, and then you get hooked. That's what James just said. Your natural desire has now been deceived and twisted and warped, and it looks like it's real. You think it's going to be so good. You're like, oh, I've got to, and what, you rearrange your whole life. Or you think you go after, man, if I could just get back up to that club, if I could just get with her, if I could just, man, they're making that drink look just so good. Maybe, maybe, and if I just grab, maybe it's not what I think. Maybe it's what everybody thinks is. And all of a sudden, watch this, you take the bait, and now you're hooked. That's what James says happens when temptation comes your way. And you're sitting here going, man, should I get it? Man, it looks good. I don't know. I mean, man, come and think about it. And you don't even know you're having this conversation. And you want to blame it on the bait. Well, it's the bait's fault. You're the one grabbed it. See, the devil can't make you do anything. People say all the time, well, the devil makes me do it. Well, Folks, as a believer in Christ Jesus, greater is he who is in me than in the world, and the devil can't kick the Holy Spirit out of you and take control of you and make you do anything. The devil can't make you do it. If he can make all of us sin, we're all in trouble. But he sets the hook. He sets the bait. He wants you to grab it. Your flesh wants to grab it. And the problem is, we do. And then we get hooked, and now there's consequences. Or he goes, not only entices us, but then he uses the word, drags us away. When you take these two Greek words and you look at it, it's to trap. It's, it's a game. Somebody's hunting, and they set a trap. And all of a sudden, the animal comes into the trap, and then it's caught into the trap, and it can't get out of the trap. He said, that's exactly what temptation is in your life. It's over here wiggling this bait. That's all marketing is, right? Every single thing you watch on TV, every commercial you watch, every movie you watch, it's a clickbait. There's a bait there. It baits you in. Come, come and buy my product, <laughs> right? Look what it do with you. Hey, come and do this. And look, you can lose 50 pounds in two days, right? I mean, come on, get our product. Come. It's just marketing, right? They're trying to appeal to a natural desire within you. And you're sitting there going, you know what? I can do this. And sometimes that's good, right? They're enticing you to do something great because you could do something better, and that's a good thing. But sometimes it's a bad thing, right? Because the motive is I gotta make a buck. I gotta get a dime. I gotta see if I can get your money. It's all around us. In our world, this is how it operates. Bait and entice. Bait and entice. Bait and entice. And now you're sitting there going, I don't know what's right, what's wrong. Should I do it? Should I not? Is it good? Is it bad? And James talked about this 2,000 years ago. You see how relevant the Bible is, how it speaks to our life? He goes on, and then here's the problem. Here's the third thing that happens. We disobey. We have a desire. We're deceived. It's twisted. 
and then we disobey. Man, we've been seeing this from day one. The enemy, Eve, you'll be like God if you'll just take a bite of that. I got a natural desire. It says she was pleasing to the eye to her. Her appeal to her desire, this is pleasing. And all of a sudden, her mind begins to say, well, I could be like God. Deception. And then here's the act. She disobeyed. And the same thing happens to us. We have a desire, we're deceived, and then we follow through with the action and we disobey and we sin. We give into it. Look what it says in verse 15. The desires give birth to what? To sinful actions. Where did the action start? See, we always go to the action. Well, the action came from the inside, the inside that's been twisted. Remember, Jesus says, he goes and says, listen, you said if you murder someone's wrong. I said if you hated someone in your heart, you've committed murder. I said if you lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. Why? Because they thought it's the action was the problem. Jesus says the action is birthed from the inside. If you fix the inside, you fix the action. That's where it begins. For what's inside of you, what's in your heart will come out. It's not the action, it's the desire that has been twisted and warped that causes you to lash out or whatever it may be in your life. So we gotta fix that part before the action is changed. We see this, we see an idea that gets birthed and now it becomes a behavior. It starts out to the emotions, appeals to the desires, then to the intellect, then we think about it and it's twisted by our flesh or by the devil who wants to rob you from the better life. And now you're deceived. And then all of a sudden, guess what happens? You give into it and then you act. And then you're hooked or you're trapped as you follow through that sinful action. Then he goes on and says in verse 15, look what he says. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, don't miss that, allowed to grow, your choice you choose to sin. You know that? Every time you sin is because you choose to. You chose it. I chose to think that. I chose to believe that. I chose to act that way. I chose to say that. You can't look at someone and say, honey, you make me. She can't make you nothing. You chose it. Well, if my friends just tempted me to go back out to the party, you chose it. If I just want, you chose it. Well, if she, you chose it. James says, don't be looking at your servants. Look inside you. Look what happens. The desire gives birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, some of you are like, oh, that may scare you. There is a sin unto death. There's also spiritual death. But one thing about dead things, they're useless. And he's writing to believers, and he says, when you continue to give in temptation and act on sinful actions, it begins to dry up and render you useless, ineffective for advancing the gospel and the kingdom. And in your life, it brings forth. We see it parts for the wages of sin is death. It brings us back in our life. So, so, look at verse 16. Look what he says. <laughs> Don't be deceived. Don't be misled. Do you see it? So he already tells you this. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave here and all of a sudden you're going to have this desire and desire's going to come and your flesh is going to say, mm, man, maybe that's good. And you're going to twist it or the devil's going to be there and you're going to twist it. And then you're going to act upon it. And there's like, man, I can't believe I did it again. I feel so dirty. So I feel guilty. I feel bad or whatever it may be for you. And like, oh, I'll never be anything. And you feel like I'm useless. James says, 
I told you 2,000 years ago it was going to happen. Don't be deceived. Don't be misled. I gave you the process. I showed you what the enemy and what your flesh wants to do. Now, what's your battle plan? Are you battle ready? Because that's never going to go away. You're always going to have a desire until you die. So if I'm never going to outgrow, outlive (laughs) temptation, if I can't read enough, pray enough, and quote enough scripture, which is great, one of the biggest benefits, please hear me, of memorizing scripture is to store God's truth in your heart so that when lies come to appeal to your desire, you have God's truth intellectually in your mind to say, that is false, this is truth. You know why so many of us give in to temptation? It's because we don't know what's true. Man, maybe my friends are right. Maybe what my friends are saying, that's true, man. I said, man, maybe my professor, you know, my professor, he, man, I, he's respect. You know, maybe it's my parents. Man, I love my parents. Really, my parents ain't gonna leave me astray. You got all these voices. And that's where the deception part. Well, I don't know, but maybe. And you'll talk yourself. You will literally talk to yourself into taking the action. One of the greatest benefits of memorizing Scripture is to store God's Word in your heart so that you won't sin against Him. So if my mind is filled with truth, when a lie comes for me to be deceived or I see that chartreuse bait over there wiggling, "Uh uh-uh, honey, I ain't going over there. I see you. I know what you're trying to do. You see that? Most of us don't know the difference between what's a false and what's a lie. And so we go and we get snared. We get hooked. We get captured in the trap. So what do you do? How do you defeat temptation? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. First of all, you're not alone. You don't sit there and go, well, nobody goes through what I go through. No one's tempted like I'm tempted. Oh, yes, they are. That's another deception the enemy wants you to believe. He says, Temptation in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And here's the promise. Here's the promise. Here's the promise you better stand on for the rest of your life. When you are tempted, not if, when, you will be tempted today. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out. There's always a way out. Always a way out. There's always a way out. He will always show you the exit. They may be the chartreuse bait over here wiggling itself, going, come and grab me, come and grab me. You need lunch and appeals to your desire, but right here across the room will be an exit sign. You see the exit sign? There will always be an exit, a way out of your temptation. And if your battle plan is to stay pure and you're in the back seat at the lake with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're thinking, what's my strategy? You're already hooked. You've got to build a plan around this. You've got to know, here's the promise. When you are tempted, God promises you there's always an exit door. You know what the problem is? We're never looking for it. We don't even see it. And then next thing you know, we want to start blaming everybody else. Well, it's her fault. It's his fault. It's their fault. Man, it's my friend's fault. It was my... We start pointing the fingers at everybody else. (laughs) Like, no, 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 no. It was in here. It's in here. 
God, I can't believe you did this to me again. You set me up. You set me up. You're tempting me. You put me in that situation. And God's like, I never tempted you, but I always provided a way out for you. And because you don't know the truth and you're not in the word to know the truth, you are not looking. And we want to sit here and blame God. It's God's fault. We want to sit here when we give in to sinful desires, we start feeling guilty and dirty. Therefore, we just like Eve, we want to go and hide. I don't want to go back to church, man. Shoot, you won't believe what I did. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. I can't talk to God about this. I'm embarrassed. I can't believe. And God's like, are you kidding me? I love you. I welcome you to come back. In fact, I provided the door for you to way out. I want you to learn how to exit temptation when it comes into your life. So remember that promise. No matter what you face, there's always a way out of your temptation. The question is, are you looking? Are you looking? Because God will provide. So what do you do? Real quick, let me tell you some practical steps. Here's some practical things you can begin to do when temptation comes your way. And so unless you're just like a super saint, holy person, you're never tempted, please write a book on it because the world needs to know how you do it and how you can face it. Here's some things. I'm gonna give you some practical steps. So this, if you're taking notes, here's where we're gonna want you to start. This, that was all introduction. Here's the sermon. Ready? We got four minutes and 36 seconds. We can walk you through this. You better pray for me. Here's the first thing I wanna encourage you to do. Recognize your weak spots. You gotta recognize these. You already know it. You know what your weak spot is. You know, the author of Hebrew writes, it says, get rid of the sin that snares you. If I ask you right now, what's the sin? You don't even have to pray about it. You know exactly what the sin is because it's the same sin you keep going, God, it's me again. God, I looked at again. God, I smoked again. God, I tried again. God, I drank again. God, I touched her again. God, I did this again. Right, you know the sin. You already know what that is. You know your weak spot. What is your weak spot? You need to first, the first step in the process is going, where do I always give in to temptation? Like what's going on around me? Listen to what Peter says. First Peter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. <laughs> That's the first thing. We're never alert. Stay alert. Watch out of your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a war line looking for someone to devour you. We don't stay alert. We drop our guard all the time. Drop our guard. And then we wonder why we get beat up by the enemy and by our flesh. You need to recognize your, your, your weak spots. Here's something, watch this. Listen, I know this sounds so basic, but try this. When you give in to that temptation and when you blow it, ask, when did it happen? When I say when, like what time of day was it? Was it in the morning? Was it in the evening? Was it when you're late by yourself at night when no one's around and you experience loneliness and you have no one around you and you feel like no one loves you and no one cares about you and you lay your head at night and next thing you begin to wonder? If that's you and that always happened at that time when you go to bed at this time, when you start late, you know, maybe I should go look at that. Maybe I'm tired about this. Again. Maybe I should grab my phone and see what's it. If I can find some instant self-gratification, then you need to build a plan. You gotta recognize that's a weak time in your life. Do you see this? Most of you already know that. You know this. When are you at your weakest? Where are you? What time of day is it? Now you're like, that's silly. No, you have to recognize. Why? I want to win over temptation in my life. I don't want to give in to the sinful action and disobedience. 
And if that's you and a follower of Jesus, then you got to build this plan. you got to recognize when is my, my weak spots and where are those? Who's with me when I give in to this? Oh, somebody better change your friends in 2021. Right? And every time I'm with you, dude, we always, every time I'm with you, we go to, it seems like every time we get, uh, somebody need to change your friends. We're talking about that in a relationship series coming up in February. What true friends will look like. Who's with you when it happens? Here's a big one. Here's a big one. What were you feeling when you acted upon that temptation? That's so huge. The number one cause for sexual sin in people's life is loneliness. Listen to me, singles. Marriage doesn't fix loneliness. I know a lot of married people who are very lonely, and they become roommates. And you think your boyfriend you're with right now has no problem. You're okay with him looking at porn. I see this all the time. I can't believe this. I see girls all, dating comes like, ah, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And you think that's going to fix it when you get married. It doesn't. I see it all the time. The number one sin, sexual sin, is loneliness. Loneliness will cause you to overeat. Loneliness will cause you to drink stuff that you don't should be drinking. Loneliness will cause you to smoke stuff that you shouldn't be smoking. Loneliness is one of the most negative emotions in someone's life that will compel them to do and give in to because they're lonely. Identify that. Why do I always feel lonely but blank when such and such around? It reminds me of it. The next thing, no, I give in to that. Why? I'm trying to recognize my weak spots so I can build the battle plan around me so when the enemy comes or my flesh shows up, uh-uh, I ain't taking a bait. Gotcha. I was ready for you. And you have no idea when it's coming. It's just around the corner. Here's the second thing, and this is the big one. Not only do you recognize your weak spot, but you got to refocus your thoughts. And really, this is it. This is the battle plan. This is what the enemy wants. You've got to refocus your thoughts. We have not been called to resist temptation. We have been called to resist the devil. The more we try to resist the temptation, the further and deeper we drive it into our mind. By resisting temptation, we actually reinforce temptation. If you want to defeat it, you run from it, you don't fight it. What do you mean by that? When you fight something, it consumes you. When you battle something, it it consumes your heart and your mind. You've got to refocus your thoughts. Watch this. I gotta stop eating Oreos, gotta stop eating Oreos, gotta stop eating Oreos. What are you thinking about? Oreos, man, (laughs) come on, right? 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 What you're trying to say a fight against, you actually drive it deeper in mind. Watch this. Quit quit looking at her. Quit looking at her. Quit looking at her. Quit looking at her. Quit lusting. Quit lusting. Quit lusting. Quit lusting. What am I thinking about? (laughs) Lusting, 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 lusting. Do you see this? Quit drinking this. Quit drinking. Don't drink this. Don't drink this. Don't drink this. Don't drink this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. What are you thinking about? It. The more you try to fight it. So what do you do? You begin to ignore it. You begin to refocus your mind. This is a self-defeating strategy. See, what captures your attention has your focus. What has your focus has your feelings. Whatever you're feeling, you will act. And whatever I'm focused on, my feelings will follow. And even by saying, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, don't go, don't go, don't go. What am I thinking? Thinking of that, thinking of that, thinking of that, thinking of that. And you begin to churn this over and over and over in your head. And you think by just thinking about it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, you're resisting it. 
And what you're actually doing is you're driving it deeper into your mind. So here's what you do. Watch this. You begin to ignore it. See, one of the biggest lies that the enemy happens, the moment that you're tempted, you automatically feel bad. Oh, I can't believe I'm tempted to go there. And you think at that moment, because the thought came into your mind or the temptation was there, that automatically that you sin. Listen, you can't control the thoughts that come into your mind, but you can control the thoughts when they get there. So when the thought pierces your mind, the Bible says, take that thought captive, hold it accountable. Where did you come from? Where are you coming from? Just because the thought popped in there, does that mean that sin? It's sin when you act upon the thought even in your mind or in person or physically. And so when the thought comes, what do you do with it? You gotta capture it, you gotta refocus it, and watch this, you need to ignore it. And you begin to throw that away. So watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. <laughs> Turn the phone off. Put it in another room at bed before you go to bed at 10 o'clock because you know around 11 o'clock you begin to feel lonely. No one's looking. And next thing you know, let's see if I can find her again. I'm preaching to you now. Right? Ignore it. Put it away. Turn the TV off. Hide the Oreos. In fact, just don't buy them. You see this? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not trying to make, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, what is your weak spot? Adjust it. Understand it. Build a plan around it. When the thought comes, ignore it. I'm refocused. That's not from God because I know the truth. That's a hook. That's a bait. That's a trap. Not think about it no more. Change my mind to something else. I had a buddy. I said, listen, every time that thought comes to your mind, you got to look at porn. You got to look at something. Why don't you pick the phone up and call me? And she's around always same time, same time, like 11.30. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? Okay, let's talk this out. What's going on? How you doing? How'd your day go? What'd you do today? Awesome, man. How's family? Family doing good? Good, good, good. Okay, awesome. Why? Because I'm helping him refocus his thoughts. Then after a few minutes of talking, he goes, okay, man, I'm good. I'm good. Got his mind back off of it, calmed himself back down, goes on to bed. Battle plan. Singles, do you have a purity plan? No, you better build one. And being right in the moment is too late to figure out what's my exit strategy. But you know what the promise is? Even at that moment, God still provides a way out. That's the promise. He has a way. And we've got to refocus our thoughts and put them back on Jesus. Leads me to my third and final one. Request for help. You're not alone. Ask somebody to help you. Ask somebody to help you. I mean, we need people in our life, right? We'll talk about that in the relationship series. Find that person you trust and say, man, this is one of my biggest struggles and temptations in my life. Why don't got nobody can say that too? It's because you don't have real friends. People who love Jesus, love the church, and they love you. And they love you enough, they're gonna help you. Not going, did you hear about Sarah? Oh my goodness. And talk about you behind your back. That's sin, you know that, don't you? Gossiping's a sin. And so you gotta request help. You gotta find somebody to help you. You gotta get somebody to say, listen, here's one of my biggest struggles of temptation. I, I've listened to this message. I'm gonna build a battle plan around and I want you to be my accountability partner and I want you to help me. I had two pastor friends who got together and made a commitment. If one of us looks at porn, we have to give each other $1,000. And after 20 years, neither one of them had write each other a check. Why? We're gonna be accountable. 
Let's raise the accountability level up. You're gonna call me and ask me this week if I've done something. I'm even gonna lie to you and that's between me and the Lord. Or I'm gonna give in to it and then we're gonna hold each other accountable. And it could be of anything in your life. Something you're always saying, this is my biggest struggle. Maybe always, I feel like I always wanna talk bad about people or gossip about people. I need you to help me, hold me accountable with that. And every time you hear me to say, about to say something, call me out. And I got nobody I can do that with. It's because you don't have any real friends. Ask people to help. Ask God to help. I love what Psalms 50 says. It says, call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you. Call on me when you're in trouble. And God said, watch this, I'll rescue you. You know what the problem is? When we're tempted, we feel too dirty or guilty to call upon him and we never ask him to rescue us. God, help me. I'm about to go into this meeting and every time I'm around such and such, I feel and I don't want to be a temptation, so I need you to help me. God, I'm going out tonight. We're on a date. I'm going to trust you that you're going to give me the strength and the courage to say no. I know he said, if you love me, I do love him, but if he loves me, he'll wait and get his hands off of me. He won't. I need to find somebody else. I'm serious. I'm talking about you got to build this plan. You got to find your weak spots. You got to find out when these things happen so you can build your time around. And you may have to ask for people for help. And that's okay. That's what family does, right? We're the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We help each other. Why? Because the enemy wants to rob you from the best life, an abundant life, a full life, a better life. And let me tell you something that will rob you from a better life. Disobeying and giving into temptation will rob you from the life that God has for you. And the enemy knows that. And your flesh doesn't want that. But watch this. Greater is he who is in you than is in the world. And I'm going to be very, very honest with you. You will not be able to say no to temptation until you have said yes to Jesus. And when you've said yes to Jesus, you now have to see the exit. You have an exit. You have an exit. Every single temptation, you have an exit. The question is, are you looking? I'm gonna ask if you would just to bow your heads just for a moment. I'm gonna hope and pray the Lord has used something today that was spoken and said to speak to your life. Because listen to me, some of you right now, you're feeling, I know, I sense it. You already feel bad. Like, man, I know better than this. I know I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm good for about a week and then boom. I'm good for two weeks and then boom. I'm good for a day or two and then I'm right back at it. Listen, let me tell you something about the Lord. He loves you. And His grace and His mercy is new every single day. And according to what Paul writes, listen, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. There's never a shortage of God's grace. You feel all alone. You feel like maybe God can never forgive you. Listen to me. Not only does he forgive you, he loves you, wants to restore you and use you. Don't believe that lie from the devil. We've all blown it. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And listen, we will all be tempted for the rest of our life. You can't escape that, okay? Just embrace it. Temptation is coming right after church even. It's coming. It's coming. You told us it's coming. So now that I know it's coming, what's my plan? How do I begin to refocus my thoughts, request for help, identify my weak areas in my life? We all have them, every one of us. And then what's my plan for it? And some of you, please listen, please. 
You're gonna let this go in one ear out the other. But if you wanna be serious about beating temptation and living this abundant and full and barrel life, not that you're perfect, you're never gonna be perfect. We're all gonna blow it. But you can begin to blow it less because you've got a strategy and a plan in place for the battle that you're in. And you are in a spiritual battle and you will be in it for the rest of your life. So knowing that, before I can say no fully to temptation, I must say yes to Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus or you're watching online or you're at our Grace and Church, listen to me. Give your life to Jesus. He loves you. For 20 years of my life, I thought I can stop and, and had the self-willpower and, and couldn't do it. But once I gave my life to Jesus, man, and to rely on him and his strength in my weakness, he's strong. How do I do that? Well, the Bible says, if you will confess Jesus with your mouth and believe that he is Lord, that he died on the cross for you and got up out of the grave for you, the Bible says you'll be saved. Now saying a prayer will not save you, but listen to me, your heart, if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord, then let your lips proclaim it. Why? Because what's on the inside will come out. So right where you sit or watch right now, you can cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. Forgive me of all my sin. And God, as best as I know how today, I ask you to save me, to help me, to give me strength to live for you all the days of my life. Now, if that's you, according to the scripture, God adopts you into his family. He restores you, cleanses you, makes you white as snow, and watch this, and now gives you the power to see and walk through the exit sign that he will provide for you in temptation. For some of you here, you're, already, you're believers, you're believers, but you keep giving into it. Why don't you make today, that day, God, not no more. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna build me a plan. I'm gonna start refocusing my thoughts. And thought, I don't care who knows, I'm going to get an accountability partner and someone help me because I'm tired of this specific temptation whipping me. Not anymore. Not anymore. And I'm telling you, just by you being accountable to someone, it's like, like double whammy. You know what I'm saying? Like you get extra power going, no, because she or he was gonna ask me and I better make sure that I am and you fill in the blank. Father, we thank you so much for your word. <laughs> How relevant it is. Lord, it speaks to us today. God, we're all tempted. Father, your word says that your son was tempted, yet he did not sin. In every way that we are tempted, he was tempted, but he didn't give in to it. And because he's the perfect one, the righteous one, the holy one who now lives in us, we now have the power through him to say no to temptation. So Lord, give us the courage, give us the wisdom, give us the strength that only comes from you to identify our weaknesses, to capture our thoughts and refocus them onto you and what's true. 
but Lord, the courage to have somebody else in our life because we can't do life alone to walk us through these tough times. And at the end of the day, Lord, we can always call upon you. What a great promise that there's always a way out. And Father, we stand on that promise. For it's in your son's name we ask and we pray. Come on now. And everybody said, amen.